Sky Sports Radio combined with Harness Racing New South Wales brings you On The Pace for your daily dose of news and tips. Good morning, welcome to On The Pace. It's Michael Guerin joining you on this Monday morning. I hope you had a good weekend. Hope you're back to winner or your footy team won, depending on what you're up to. Uh, if you like a good horse, we're going to talk predominantly on this morning's show about a very good horse. Maybe a champion, a champion of his age group, but maybe he's going to be potentially the best horse in Australasia. And who knows? He called it up one of the all-time greats. I don't say those things lightly, but Leap to Fame has the ability, the attitude, the trainer and the breeding to be a champion pacer for years to come. He won the Sunshine Sprint at Albion Park on Saturday night, doing something which is awfully hard to do, sitting back in the field over 1660 and blew the older horses away. He's now $1.30 with tab for the Blacks of Fake, which is this Saturday at Albion Park. The barrier draw is later today. The man who trains and drives Leap to Fame is Grant Dixon. Hey, Grant, thanks for taking time out of your morning to join us this morning. No, no worries, mate. That must have been fun on Saturday night. Uh, wouldn't have been fun down the back straight the last time when you had to go in between horses, but when he lets loose, Leap to Fame, he's awfully serious. Yeah, it was a, a little bit of worrying times throughout the run, but um, yeah, it all worked out in the end, and, yeah, and he finished off good. Grant, he won three derbies last year, but you made the, the very tough decision to miss the Chariots of Fire and the Miracle Mile. I think you made the right choice. Did that give him a chance to furnish as a horse because he looks bigger and stronger to me? Yeah, me and Trista felt that he, like he'd had a, a long season and a hard season as a three-year-old, and we, we generally just felt that he had to um, sort of build up a bit behind and, and just, you know, just let him catch up to himself, which which we really did, and, uh, you know, we we're, we're just frightened to um, just throw him in the deep end. I know, I know we have now, but right, real early in the season against the older horses, so we're, we're just, yeah, giving him a good spell and, and let him mature a bit more, and, and hopefully, you know, that will, you know, pay dividends um, this part of the year and, and further on. Are you surprised how quickly he's become the open-class stud? Because the transition from three-year-old to beating the open-class horses midway through your four-year-old season, there's only been a handful who've been able to do it in the last 20 years. Uh, yeah, yeah, it is, it is a bit surprising, but sort of, um, sort of sitting behind, behind him, you can sort of feel how, how he is winning his races and felt like he, that he was going to adjust. The general thought process was last year that he was the best stayer of a very strong three-year-old crop, but catch a wave and at one stage Captain Ravishing might be the faster horses. Is he actually getting faster, Leap to Fame? Because he looks to have a very sustained sprint. Is it any quicker than it was? Oh, look, I don't believe he's got any quicker, but he's probably just sustaining it a bit longer, like you say. Um, yeah, he just, um, yeah, it just seems to be able to get up on a, on a good, quick tempo and, and maintain it for, um, you know, like probably obviously further than some horses can. It was a fast time the other night, a 150.2 mile rate. 
do you think he's still on the way up? Because we have the Blacks of Fake this Saturday, but of course, even more importantly, the $2.1 million Eureka in about six weeks. So is there more improvement in your horse? Oh, look, I don't think he's going to, like, um, jump out the ground from here. I'll be ecstatic if we can just... Um uh, just maintain him and, and hold, hold this form going forward. I'm, I'm sure that you know, he's always going to be around the place if he can do that. What's the plan? The Blacks are fake this week. What's the plan to get him to the Eureka? Will he race between the Blacks are fake and the race on September the 2nd? Yeah, we interested were talking about the other day and we sort of worked out that we can probably have a couple of days off after Saturday night and then we sort of hope to get sort of two runs into him and then miss the week before the Eureka and yeah, sort of roll until that way. OK, would those runs be in New South Wales or Queensland? No, no, in Queensland. We'd like to keep him at home as long as we can and then um, yeah, work out what point we actually go down with the a week before or a few days before. But yeah, we just get to sort of finalise that, yeah. What sort of horse is he to do those sort of things with, to travel, to, to try new things with? Uh, obviously, I presume later in life you might want to try him from a standing start. Talk to us about what sort of horse he is to try these new things with or to try going away from home with, because he seems to have handled it well in the past. Yeah, probably as a two-year-old, um, when he travelled once, it was probably just a bit new for him, but since then, we've... Um you know, just being more mature and he holds his weight better. Yeah, he's, he's handled the sort of tricks and that really well. So, uh, yeah, we'll, we'll just, um, yeah, see how his weight is and how well he gets past Saturday night. And, yeah, and just keep, yeah, you know, Rick has been our, you know, end game sort of and our main game for this season. So, um, yeah, hopefully, yeah, we can get there in, in good order. The Inter-Dominions are in your home state this season. Uh, how likely is he to contest the Interdom? Yeah, all, all being well, it's definitely penciled in because obviously on the old um, season year, you know, it'd be turn five and that'd be the perfect year for him to go to it. So, you know, he's still going to be down to four. You know, basically his birthday would have been done and he will be five. And I think that's a great year to go to your Inter-Dominion campaign. What sort of horse is he, Grant, to be around? Is he, a, is he a kind horse? Obviously, he's a colt, so sometimes they can get a bit distracted. Is he, is he a horse who eats a lot? Is he a horse who enjoys his work? Tell us what sort of horse he is, personality-wise. Um, oh, he's a little bit cheeky. He'll give you a bit of a nip, and you sort of watch yourself when you're ducking around behind him, and he can sort of, doesn't actually line you up, but he can kick out a bit. Uh, but in, in general, like, he, he's a... Trainer's delight, really. He just goes about his work, wants to do his work. Um, yeah, gives you obviously gives you a good good feel in his work. Um, he, he eats good. He doesn't smash the feed tin out, but he eats good. Uh, drinks good. Um, yeah, like you know, so far today he, he's, he's he's been a, a dream to have. Grant, are all the joints good? Is he a horse who can get a bit sore in one place or the other, like most good horses eventually do? Is he a horse who has any tying up issues or any throat issues? You know, most good horses eventually it catches up with him, but he seems to at the moment be rinse and repeat. Yeah, well, touch wood, Mick. Um, he, he's been good that way, and hopefully, um, yeah, we can keep it all that way 
best we can. We sort of you know, do a lot lot for him and as anyone would. So, yeah, we're just hoping that we can yeah, keep him all in one piece and, and um, manage him through his career properly and do the right things with him. You have had some wonderful horses in your career, but of course one horse you didn't officially train, but you spent a lot of time with was Black's a fake. Tough question, I know, because Blackie is an all-time great who won over $5 million. At this stage, how do you compare Black's a fake and Leap to Fame? Oh, look, you know, one of the things, you know, the greatest thing about Blackie was his longevity, and obviously he, he, he was... Um, he was able to be really well managed by Natalie because the owners were super patient and just done as whatever she thought needed to be done, which you know made a job very easy. Um, and the thing, the other thing that Blakey did with himself was obviously in races he'd only beat him by a metre, and you know, he'd, he'd never want to beat him by big margins. So he, he, he really looked after him that way, and obviously he's well driven. And when he was on the track, he was. Um, ready to go all the time. So, um, yeah, to answer your question, like at, at the same point, you know, we're, we're probably be interested, just hoping that he turns out as good, really. So, yeah, we'll be wrapped if he can um, probably do half the job like he's done. As unbiasedly as you can make it, because obviously there's a recency bias, people tend to think more about the recent events in their life. Do you think he can turn out to be as good as Blacks are fake? I, I know we can't predict whether he can have the longevity, but could he be as good? Oh, look, obviously, Mick, you know, as you know, different eras, you know, different horses, um, you know, competition, you'd look back and say it was harder then and harder now, you know, depends the way you look at things. The times are obviously quicker at the moment, but, you know, tracks and gigs are quicker and that all happens. But I, I think, you know, all, all being well, if everything can stay right with Larry, and I, I'm sure, um, yeah, he can certainly achieve a lot in his life, you know, in his career. And, you know, I'd, I'd love to think if he, yeah, could, you know, go down as one of the all-time greats. There's been a bit of chat uh, about him potentially being the best horse in the world. The best horse in the world was Bulldog Hanover, and he's retired. Do you buy into that? Do you care? Do you actually have any idea who the best horse in the world is? And and when you hear those sort of things, does it create more pressure, or does it make you proud? Oh, I mean, it's it's probably great to hear. Um, I don't probably like to hear it, but probably does create a little bit more pressure um yeah i i sort of probably don't really think of a lot i i watch the american racing but like to try and compare you know australian racing to american racing i, I find it too hard um i'm, sh- I'm sure if he went over there he, he'd, he'd race well and i'm sure the best horses in america over there would come here and race really well i don't you know to say one horse is the best in the world i think it's you know it's probably um yeah, particularly hard to say. I know the Americans love saying it, but but um, yeah, I, I think it's too hard to line them up. Kevin Seymour, who along with his wife Kay owns the horse, obviously has the resource and the ambition to potentially take him to the States. Would you be interested in doing that, and do you think it's realistic? Um, well, I like down the track, maybe, but honestly, I, I think... Um, you know, we've got a, you know hopefully a lot ahead of us and a lot a lot more to achieve um, hopefully so I'd, you know in time maybe but yeah I don't um, 
I don't think he'd have to go to go to America and go well to you know down the track have a great stud career. I, I, I think he'd get a you know a good following as far as that's concerned. And I know Kay would like to more be able to go and watch him race here than be interested in going to America. But you know, time you know time will tell. What about New Zealand? Um, obviously, you've been to New Zealand, and, and the New Zealand Cup is an iconic race, uh, one of the big five in Australasia. Do you think Kay and Kevin would have any interest, or would you have any interest in qualifying him from a standing start, and not this season, obviously, but next season, potentially attacking a race like that, or the million-dollar slot race in New Zealand? Um, I'd, I'd love to go to New Zealand Cup. I'd Probably one of my dreams, I'd always love to win one and compete in one. Um, I think he's the right horse to do it. Um, he has qualified for a stand and handled it quite well. Um, I don't think that would be an issue to him. Um, I'm not sure whether Kevin's that keen to do it, but, um, yeah, I suppose we're just as things unfold as we go, I, you know, he may in time want to have a crack at it. There's a couple of very special four-year-olds waiting for you in Victoria to meet up with you in New South Wales. Captain Ravishing's one... But Catch a Wave is the more proven. He's won a Miracle Mile. You're going to meet him in the Eureka. Can Leap yeah. to Fame? Can Leap to Fame come from behind Grant? Can he come from behind Catch a Wave to beat him? And here's a question: because he's two dollars with the tab, can he sit parked outside him and beat him? Um, I don't really believe he can sit parked outside Catch a Wave and beat him. I think um, he's seen how well Catch a Wave went. He, he was. Amazing in his two wins in the chariots in the Miracle Mile. Um, yeah, so I think it's going to be a great race. It's probably going to might, might come down to the draw. Who draws the best who gets out of the other one might um, might actually tell the tale who wins. You know, and I think Catch a Wave. You know, Andy and Katie got him right back on track, and he's um, the way he won them races. And he probably wasn't entitled to win the Miracle Mile after he burnt so hard early. But you know, to his credit, he, he dug in it. On the line, he was always going to win it. You've done an awful lot in harness racing. You've spent plenty of wet afternoons at Redcliffe, sludging around in $4,000 races with average horses, and now you've got the dream horse. Does it make you and Trista excited to get out of bed in the morning knowing that Larry's waiting down at the barn? Oh, it certainly helps, Nick, for sure. Um, yeah, like obviously, we've waited a long time for him. And- yeah, and it's, I like to say, it is a bit of pressure with him, and um, but it certainly does, um, yeah, give you, you know, renewed uh, hope with the sport and that, and it's been really good, great the last couple of weeks. The uh, two oldest boys have been going in and been able to be in the presentation photos and that, so that really makes it all that much better. All right, Grant, look, I appreciate your time this morning, mate. I can hear you jogging a horse there in the background, so you're doing a super job. Just a last question for you. I'm going to rattle off some names, and I want you to tell me which one you want to win more. If you could only win one of these races, which one would you want? The Blacks are fake, the Eureka, the Inter-Dominion final, the Miracle Mile, or the New Zealand Cup? And you can only have one. Uh, The Eureka. Uh, I take it that's a stake money decision? (laughs) It it is. New Zealand Cup was second. Mate, look, it's been fantastic to catch up with you. I know there's a lot of pressure that goes with the good horse, and um, I know you'll be able to handle it well. To you, Trista, Kevin Kay, congratulations on what you've achieved. Good luck. 
on Saturday night. Uh, and we, lots of us, um, Harness Racing fans and New South Wales Racing fans, are looking forward to seeing you at Menango on September the 2nd, mate. Thanks, mate. Grant Dixon, um, great insight there into what's a wonderful horse. And really interesting to hear his comments around comparing the US and Aussie horses, and he's not quite sure how to do it. Uh, and really interesting, if he could win any race of the big five, and there's other big races, but there's there five of the best, of course, the Hunter Cup and Victoria Cup are big races. Uh, he would want to win the Eureka, which didn't exist a year ago, uh, and then the New Zealand Cup. David Watson is the racing boss at Menangle. David, that must put a smile on your face. Potentially the best horse in Australasia coming your way, and a guy like Grant Dixon saying, that of all those big races, the Eureka's the one he wants. Yeah, good morning, Michael. Uh, fantastic to hear him say that. It's certainly created some interest this race. And what a great first year it's going to be. Leap to fame, catch a wave, Captain Ravishing, just to mention a few. What about the Lost Storm up there at Albion Park on Saturday night as well? Don't underestimate that brilliant three-year-old. It's speaking volumes for the race and the inaugural running of the Eureka here on September 2. I'll be honest, Wano, when they announced the conditions for the Eureka, I thought this could be a stuff-up. Because any time you restrict a race, and obviously for those listening at home who don't follow the harness, it's three- and four-year-olds, but they've got to be Australian-bred. And probably half the good horses in Australasia are New Zealand-bred. And when it happened, Wano, I thought this could very easily be a race where we get a thirty favourite and some pretty average horses. I was completely wrong. That has not happened. It might happen at some stage in the future. But, man, we couldn't have dreamed up a crop of Australian-bred horses, not only this good one, but this in form. What's, and what's going to be really unique about it, Mick, is that basically none of these horses will race each other before they go into the Eureka. Hopefully, they've all got great winning form leading into the race, and it'll be the first time they're pitted against each other. So even horses like Speak the Truth, he's a really, really good four-year-old up there in Queensland for Shannon Price, Adam Sanderson. And at the moment, you know, he's probably fifth or sixth favourite. And you'd love to have a Speak the Truth in the stable. That's the depth of this field. And we're not even mentioning some of the three potential three-year-olds that could still go into this race. Better, the, uh, better be the best. Um, I think it was Captain's Knock. Brad Hewitt won the Breeders' Challenge here last year. Uh, the last horse to beat the Lost Storm, um, Nathan Jack's two-year-old, I'm the captain. Um, these horses still got the potential to come into this race as well. The tab market for the Eureka has leaped to fame at $2, Catcher Wave at 3.5 and Captain Ravishing at $5. Uh, the Lost Storm, who's going to be a hot favourite for the Queensland Derby this Saturday night, is at $9. All right, we have um, the, the meeting starting to take shape, the Eureka meeting, and here's an interesting one, a new race. Uh, John Singleton, of course, who's been a great supporter of all forms of racing, has taken a slot in the Eureka 1-0, and he's <laughs> created his own race called the Singo, or the Singo, one or the other, <laughs> and it's going to be, I believe, August 17, and his slot horse for the Eureka is going to come out of the starters of the Singo, but he and his mates get to choose and it may not necessarily be the winner. This is a beauty. Yeah, look, it's a little bit unique. Um, isn't it fantastic to have arguably one of the biggest names in racing in Australia being involved in the first year of the Eureka? 
and a race like the Singo there two weeks beforehand for any horse that hasn't got a slot at the moment can nominate for the race. It's still the same conditions as the Eureka, three- and four-year-old Australian bred paces. Over the same distance, same barrier draws, everything the same. It's just for slot holders, a horse that haven't got a slot at the moment. What, Where it come from picking the horse, and, Michael, you'll understand this, you would hate to see a horse that, for whatever reason, something happens in the run, and it's just an absolute monster of a run, and you say you've got to pick that horse, but he doesn't win the race. That's what it's about. You'd like to think the best horse will win the race, and that's who they'll choose. Another unique thing about the singer is the four emergencies for the $2.1 million TAB Eureka will come from this race. So even that emergency, if you're looking to be an emergency in the race, you must compete in the Singo two weeks here at Menangle before the Eureka. So that's a really important thing too because as we've seen with the Everest this year, a horse went amiss just, I think it was lost in running or something like that, went amiss just before the race, an emergency got a run and finished in the top half. So really important that part of the conditions as well. Well, no, let's talk about September the 2nd. It, it's a, a, a well-timed event because it's going to fall at a time when the gallops aren't really, really dialled in just yet. They aren't getting really serious for their carnival at that stage. For people who are listening to this and go, I don't go to Menangle very often. Um, I might have never been to Menangle, but this sounds a bit of fun. You've got Birds of Tokyo playing after the last, which will be awesome. Speak to us about a couple of things. First of all, if you've never been to Menangle, what's the best way to get there? Because obviously, if you're going to have a couple of pots, it's probably a long way to drive home. And secondly, Wano, what does it cost? How do people go about having a, a hospitality experience? Where do we find out about all these type of things? Oh, please just log on to the Club Menangle website. You'll see all the hospitality offerings are up there at the moment. Uh, they're filling fast, especially with the announcement of Birds of Tokyo. Nick, I'm not a concert lover, but I know all about Birds of Tokyo, and I know it would cost you a pretty penny just to go and watch them in concert. That's free. Entry so what, what, free. So, so, free. Free entry for the entire night? Free entry for the entire night. Please log on your interest, though, on the Club Menangle website. We'd love people to be able to do that. Have, have a look at all the information. Please log on your interest in attending the event, but it is free. So basically the race meeting will run from 5.30 to 9.30 and straight after the last, Birds of Tokyo will be playing here on course. Um, as you know, we've got Charles Oliveri here as part of the promotion. Um, there will be other entertainment during the night. We have Ricky Lee. Um, it's going to be a fantastic night performing National Anthem. It's just going to be an amazing night not just with the racing, but the whole atmosphere. It's just going to be a carnival atmosphere. There's lots of free transport. We're really lucky that we've been able to get um, the local government on board. There'll be buses provided, trains will be pulling up at the front door. So just get anywhere near Campbelltown and you'll be able to get free transport here to the track, um, which we really highly recommend given the amount of people we think we're going to get here. Wano, can you get a train from the CBD straight to Menangle or do you need to change? And more importantly, if you are someone who likes to have a couple of beers during your racing experience, can you get a train back? Yeah, absolutely. And that's all. those times will be available on the website. And, of course, you want to stay in Sydney, I highly recommend the train service. It's about a 50-minute train ride, um, but you pull up at the door. And that's what's the beauty of it. You, our train station's located right at the entry point. Highly recommend the train services. You do have to get off, I think it's Campbelltown on MacArthur to catch those free trains. 
But once you do that, um, if you want to have a few pots and take in consideration on the Singo night, August 19, John Singleton's very famously known for providing a, a beer or two after a race. So might even be a, a, a shout on Singo on August 19 after his race here. So highly encourage everyone to get out here for that race as well. Wano, what sort of crowd would you expect on September the 2nd at Menangle? Because, yes, it is a long way from town, and a lot of people wouldn't go to Randwick if it was an hour away. So what sort of crowd would you expect? And for the hospitality, if people want to have a good experience, they might want to take their wife or their partner along. Uh, what's, what's the top end there? Do you have a, a $200 a night type of dining package thing? Speak to us about what we expect to unfold there. Um. Well, we're expecting, and uh, Michael, you, I don't know if you were here for when we had the opening here in 2008, and it was yes, absolute was. chaos. It was absolute yep. chaos. We're better prepared, <laughs> but we're expecting we're expecting that sort of crowd. Um, we have a lot of uh, we've been going through a lot of logistics here at the moment with our traffic and our parking considerations here at the track. If people that want to drive, as I said, we really encourage those people to be using that free public transport that's available to them. Miracle Mile restaurant's just about full, so if you're thinking of coming out, get into that one. That's a you've got a choice there. Is a, a ninety dollar if you don't want the beverage packets, one hundred and fifty dollars if you want the beverage package. Um, we've got a cocktail party down in the Lawn Marquee, which is a fantastic area. Um, once again, that's um, food and drinks all available for about ninety dollars. Um, real carnival atmosphere down there, and that's right beside where the concert's going to be. So, well, not. Include, just not including the food and beverage. What a fantastic area to be to watch, as I said, Birds of Takeout, which will be performing from 9.30 on the night. Um, plenty of hospitality still available in those areas, but I do encourage you to get in really quick now because things are starting to roll. There's further announcements to be made on the night. So I really encourage people to get on that website, Club Menangle, and make your bookings. When is the final field finalised, as in the acceptors, and when is the barrier draw on it? Uh, in the conditions, uh, it's pretty sure that all the slot holders have to be finalised. I think it's eight or nine days out. So we basically know the field nine days out. Um, with the Singo, there's a unique situation. If there's still one or two slot holders available, they can't... Once that field's announced for the Singo, no-one can deal with any of those horses. There's an embargo on those horses until after John Singleton's made his decision. So if there is a one or two slot holders hanging off for a last-minute decision, they have to wait till he makes his decision on that one. Then about eight or nine days out, the final field is determined. The barrier draw will take place on the Wednesday morning. There'll be an announcement shortly about that as well. Um, it'll be a bit of festivity around that. It'll be in the city, but it'll be Wednesday early, Wednesday morning. So Wednesday uh, morning, for that. three days before, before the race? Yep, correct. Okay, okay. Um, well, no, it's exciting. It's just exciting to have something new. It's exciting to have a good field for something new. It's exciting to have Singo involved and Birds of Tokyo and Charles Oliveri and I believe Josh Carr is going to be there. The whole thing just sounds bloody good. Once again, just the name of the website for people who are listening to this who think, hey, let's go to the trots. Get on to clubmanangle.com.au, please. Log, log your interest in the event because it's um, going to be something big. Thanks for joining us this morning, mate. I'm looking forward to, or we are, Sky Sport Radio. Myself, Brittany and Fred are looking forward to bringing you all the coverage over the next six or seven weeks, mate. And we'll lean on you again. But yes, 
uh, a rare taste of midwinter excitement in the harness racing world. Sounds good, Nick. That's David, Wan- that's David Wanson, uh, one of the good guys in harness racing out there from Club Menangle. Um, we also had a very in-depth chat to Grant Dixon. So our apologies, we haven't had a chance to talk about the local racing today. Um, they are racing at Bankstown. If you feel like a bit, the markets are open on tab.com.au. But Bankstown for the harness today, Menangle tomorrow. So we look forward to the Blacks of Fake. That's the next big grand circuit race this Saturday at Albion Park. The draw is today. Leap to fame is $1.30. There's a bunch of New South Wales horses there to take him on. And as I said, myself, Brittany, Fred, and all of us here, Dave and all the crew, will keep you in touch on what's going to happen with this race and the Eureka heading forward over the next six weeks. I know plenty of people think, I don't want to go to an angle. It's too far out of town. Trust me, if you have one harness racing experience for this year, book your tickets. Get there for September the 2nd, as you heard from David, for 150 which isn't life-changing for a lot of people listening to this show. You can have the full alcohol and food package and, of course, Birds of Tokyo playing after the last. It's going to be a lot of fun. Thanks to Sky Sport Radio for giving us this time this morning for On The Pace. Our thanks to David Watson and to Grant Dixon. Our next On The Pace is Wednesday morning with Brittany at 10.30.